Hello, crime lovers, and welcome to Crime on Tap. I'm Megan, joined by my co-host, Sean. And welcome to our true crime podcast. Join us weekly as we drink our favorite cocktails and discuss gruesome murders, kidnappings, conspiracies, and more. Share the podcast with your friends, family, and heck, your grandma. Leave a review and make sure to follow us on all social media platforms at Crime on Tap. Tune in for free on Apple, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts. Whether you're driving to work or doing laundry, Crime on Tap will be sure to fulfill your true crime fix each week. And now, buckle up for this week's episode. Listen and enjoy. Hey, what's up, Sean? Megan, what are we doing? What are we doing? What on earth are we doing here? What have we gotten ourselves into? Hours of work. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. Are you excited? Words cannot describe how excited I am to be done with this case. We've worked so hard on this. Countless hours thinking, talking, researching Mm -hmm. about this case. Just the moments where I've been driving and I think about this case, it's like overwhelming my life and I don't want to think about it anymore. Well, then let's get on with it. Welcome everyone to Crime on Tap. I'm Megan, my co-host Sean, and please leave a review. We want to know what you guys are looking for for content and everything. Follow us on social medias at Crime on Tap Pod and let's get started. Yes. So if everyone heard in the intro, which we had a great time filming, I've done anything like this before. So filming that intro was a little awkward, but it was so much fun. Our name is Crime on Tap. And did you guys hear that can opening? That means we'll be drinking a different cocktail, a different beer, a different wine every episode. Whether you're driving in the car, drink coffee, not alcohol, lounging on the couch or taking a shower or doing the dishes or doing the laundry, grab an alcoholic beverage. We'll be right here giving you a grand synopsis, a true crime case. Each time we hear that, our viewers know that we are going to be explaining to them what we're drinking. So what are you drinking tonight? Well, tonight, a classic for me because... You know, when I turned 21 and was first able to order something at a bar, I was actually at a casino. And the only thing I'd heard on TV was a rum and Coke. Um, (laughs) I ordered that and I was like, well, this is good. And what are you drinking, Sean? Earlier, I had two shots of Captain Morgan following your love of rum just to get prepared Mm. because this is our first episode. You're going to be a little loosey-goosey. We've never done this before. So I had two shots of Captain Morgan, which burned my epiglottis. (laughs) And drinking a nice smooth uh, cranberry wine from a local vineyard here in New Hampshire, in which we had a wine tasting back in March before COVID started, and it expired in April, and they didn't honor it. So why am I drinking their wine? (laughs) So don't mention them, because they deserve the recognition. (laughs) We don't want your sponsorship. Mm -mm. Captain Morgan, though. We love Mr. Morgan. Perfect. Okay, so now that we explained our drinks to everybody, Megan, do you want to introduce what this case is going to be about today. Yes, I'd love to. So today we're talking about a classic true crime case from 2008 involving the young mother and her deceased two-year-old daughter. So Casey Anthony and Kaylee Anthony. Round of applause, everyone. I'm sure everyone's ears perked up hearing that because it's a, a classic case. I remember back in 2008, I think I was like 13, watching the news. That's what everyone was talking about. I remember Nancy Grace was obsessed with it. She was always covering oh. it. So that's like when I think Casey Anthony, I think Nancy Grace. But yeah, so it's a, it's a pretty bizarre case. There's a lot of layers to it that I think a lot of people didn't understand or know mm-hmm. when it was all happening. 
happening. After researching all this, there was things I thought I knew that I didn't know. I guess as a child, as a 13-year-old kid watching the news, you only hear what the news wants to tell you. Once you start diving into these cases, it's like, whoa, like I had no idea any of this was happening. So yeah, let's just get started and right into where things really began. Casey Anthony gave birth to Kaylee Marie Anthony on August 9th, 2005. So she was a Leo. <laughs> she would have grown up to be very strong and fierce. And strange thing, even beginning now, Casey denied the pregnancy to a lot of her family members for a long time until mm. she pretty much couldn't hide it anymore. That pretty was obvious. Her first lie. Of, of many. Her web of lies. Because that's all she did was to spread web of lies throughout this entire case. She also, we don't really know who the father is. So she yep. said it was her fiance, Jesse, but he turned out not to be the father. Mm-hmm. DNA testing proved he was not the father. And so then she says, oh, it's this guy that died in a car accident. Well, <laughs> how convenient for you, Casey. There's no one that can prove or disprove that. So it's yep. never been publicly revealed still to this day. So yeah, the baby daddy is unknown. It just goes to show how people let her get away with this. Like, how can you not be held accountable for the, uh, the identity of, of your child's father? Yeah. But Casey's parents, Cindy and George, Anthony, they let her get away with a lot of stuff. And it mm-hmm. seems like they always have from her childhood. She wasn't graduating. She lied to her parents about graduating high school. They had a party for her and everything. And then she was mm-hmm. kind of like, oh yeah, there was like some scheduling conflicts. It was like so like crazy. Like what even happened? Yeah. Like two days before graduation, <laughs> they were like, oh, you're not graduating? And she's like, oh, he, he, he. No, I'm not. <laughs> and of course, no consequences for her. So mm-hmm. <laughs> that's going to be an unfortunate theme here. Pattern of lies. They never stop with Casey Anthony. She's never held accountable. Like she lies about where she works, about working, and she would tell lies a lot so that she could go out and party, which was another big part of the case. There was pictures of her partying and drinking, getting tattoos, all during the 31 days Kaylee's missing. Mm-hmm. So Kaylee was basically raised in the grandparents' household in Cindy and George's home in Orlando, Florida. Megan, are we shocked that this is happening in Florida? No shade <laughs> to Florida, but it seems like all the crazy <laughs> shit happens in Florida. This happening in Florida is not shocking one bit to me. Not at all. And it, especially just craziness that the police and, and everyone goes through believing Casey with all of her lies, or at least, you know, enabling her is just so crazy to me. It couldn't happen anywhere else. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, right. But so Casey had Kaylee. Casey's background, uh, she's a little party girl. She likes to party. She likes to go out and have a good time. However, having Kaylee at home uh, was a burden. And she would tell them, oh, I go to work and she would say that she works at Universal Studios because yes, she once did, but she didn't work there anymore. She kept her lanyard. Here's another lie. We should keep a lie count. (laughs) She kept her lanyard to prove to her mother that she was still working at Universal Studios as a photographer, taking pictures of children on the rides and stuff. But that was all a lie. She didn't work there anymore and she would use this excuse that she would have to go to work and make up this whole thing. Her parents, Cindy and George, would watch Kaylee so she could go out and have a good time. And I think it's really telling how she kept the lanyard purposefully for this lie. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it wasn't, oh, it was a little white lie. It was in the moment. This was thought out. This was planned. Exactly. And that shows a lot about her character. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm saying. And that's a lot with all of her lies. They're all premeditated. She knows what she's doing. When she's in these certain situations where she needs to lie, she's been thinking about this for weeks. She knows exactly what she's going to say in these situations. I don't want to say it, but she's kind of genius. <laughs> 
in an evil genius way. <laughs> yes, it's scary. It's very scary. Like I could not imagine being in that family, a friend, or even like a significant other because you never know when she is she lying. She telling the truth. Her stories are so believable that it's like you never know what when she's telling the truth or not. Mm-hmm. It, it's scary, and we're gonna see throughout this case too the detail in which she goes into lying is mm-hmm. so calculated and unbelievable. Right. Okay. So let's move on to one of the biggest days in this case, June 16th, 2008. Allegedly, the day before, there was a big family argument incited that Casey would be leaving her parents' house. And by leaving, she is leaving with Kaylee. She is taking her daughter and she is moving on to live with her boyfriend, Tony Lazaro. He lives in Florida, but yeah, he he lives far enough away where it wasn't just a quick jaunt to visit. Mm -hmm. She had this big argument with her parents and she's moving away. She's taking Kaylee and she's gone. And Uh, she takes the family car, which is very important. She takes mm -hmm. the the family car with her. Which is not in her name. It's in her parents' name. Later that day on June 16th, Casey and Tony are seen walking around the good old blockbuster... (laughs) Shows how old this case is. (laughs) Really really does age it. And Kaylee is now with them. So there's video footage on this day of them walking around a blockbuster looking for a a movie and Kaylee is now with them. That's the first instinct to be a little worried in this case. Mm -hmm. (laughs) A few days later, Casey is then seen out partying at Fusion Nightclub out in Orlando, Florida, and she's entering a hot body competition. (laughs) Oh my God. And there's pictures of this too. She's like grinding with this other girl. You could just look it up. Casey Anthony hot body competition 2008. (laughs) And, And those are right there in front of you. There's not a care in the world on her face. And again, the grandparents haven't seen her. So we don't know where Kaylee is. Nobody knows where Kaylee is. She's not telling her gr- her parents where her granddaughter is. She's not telling them where she is. So at this point in time, Casey's just off on her own. She's living her own life. You know, there there's some more time. There's a date that comes up again, June 24th, a little bit later. And I didn't know about this, that George, George Anthony, Casey's father, Kaylee's grandfather, calls the police to report his shed has been broken into and he had missing gas cans. Yeah. George calls the police. During his testimony later on, he says that he confronted Casey about this and that he found that she had gas cans in her trunk. And as he was going to her trunk, the car, the family car that she stole, she ran in front of him and she grabbed the cans and she said, here are your fucking cans. That was it of that interaction. He testifies that he only smelled gas coming from the car, which I mean, gas is a pretty strong odor. I mean, you're not going to smell anything else other than mm-hmm. gas, you know, it's right. Gas, gas cans. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll let that go. <laughs> So moving on to six days later on June 30th, the family car she stole is towed. The car was parked in a parking lot. After being there for a little bit, the car was towed. And since Cindy and George's names were on the car, they were notified that the car was impounded. And in the car, when George and Cindy went to retrieve it, they found a purse and they also found a child's car seat in the back. Kaylee was there at one point and Kaylee's two years old at this time. So, you know, she she still needs a car seat so that, that all checks out and not too long after Casey is still off living her life nothing has come back to bite her yet and on July 2nd Casey gets a tattoo of Bella Vida which is beautiful life in Italian so one would assume that she's love in life right now she's never been happier yeah so at this time it's assumed that Kaylee is missing Mm -hmm. the grandparents haven't heard from her Casey's always coming up with excuses oh she's with the nanny she's sleeping I'm not with her right now I'm on lunch break all this all that 
that. So no one has spoken or seen Kaylee since she drove off that day after Father's Day. Yep. And so July 15th is when we finally get the report moving. This is the big day. This is when everything happens. This is when everything is really coming to light in this case. This is the day that Kaylee is finally reported missing. This is the day that George confirms that he smelt what he says to be a decomposing body in the back of the family car that was impounded. Which later on we hear it was just trash. There was no body, which is a big, big, big thing that plays out in the case. Also on this day, July 15th, Cindy, remember there was a purse in the back of this car. And in that purse was the resume of uh, Casey's best friend, Amy. And on that resume was Amy's phone number. And also at this time, Cindy doesn't know where Casey is. The car smells like a dead body. Cindy has the phone number of Amy. So Cindy calls Amy and she says, Amy, where is my daughter? Where is my daughter? I haven't seen her in 31 days. Can you please take me to her? So Amy's like, yeah, sure. Cindy shows up at Casey's apartment where she's living with Tony and Kaylee is not there. She opens the door and it smells of marijuana and Kaylee is again not with Tony or Casey. So Cindy of course demands that Casey comes home and tells her where Kaylee is. So they're driving in the car back to the Cindy and George Anthony residence and Cindy calls 911. Now this woman calls 911 so many times so we have each call here <laughs> listed. The first 911 call Cindy asks where she can bring her daughter Casey to be arrested for stealing their car and not yeah. telling her where her granddaughter is so she's going so, wee, 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 room 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 hey number <laughs> one where can i where can i bring my daughter to be arrested for stealing my car and she won't talk to me about where my granddaughter is in in my mind cindy's using this to kind of get casey to talk because i mean she yeah. drove away with the family car they all knew about it but the last straw is when they found it impounded that stench is scary and they're like all right what the fuck's going on her history of lying you just assume the worst mm-hmm. at this point i think that's what cindy is really just trying to get answers exactly she's trying to get answers so they transfer her to another department and nothing comes of it so she calls again and requests an officer be sent to their family home they're they're at the cindy george anthony home now so that they can arrest casey for stealing their car and get answers on where kaylee is it's been 31 days Mm -hmm. it's been 31 days and every time they ask casey comes up with some excuse so in the hallway casey is talking to lee her older brother that their nanny her nanny which is hysterical to me because that implies a tax bracket I don't believe that Casey is a part of okay a babysitter hun but anyway that they're that she's with the nanny Zenaida Fernandez Gonzalez yep. or Zanny the nanny as she becomes known and mind and, you at this time Casey wasn't working <laughs> who was paying for this nanny see that's like, why I can't get over her calling her a nanny. <laughs> I can't. Where is she getting this money? Who's paying for this nanny? A nanny implies that, like, the nanny's coming over to their apartment every day, cleaning up, taking care of the kid, having their breakfast ready. You know, like, I don't know the terminology. I would have said babysitter. Babysitter would have made a lot more. Like, if you're in a, living in an apartment in Florida, you don't have a nanny, okay? <laughs> Maybe an apartment in New York. But anyway, so at this point, Cindy's like, oh shit, gotta call that 911 again. 
Yeah. My old friend, 911. And finally, Cindy, not her own mother, Casey, but Cindy is the one who reports that little baby girl missing. So at this point, she's very frantic. She's like, the car smells like a dead body. I haven't seen my granddaughter in 31 days. And she's like begging Casey to get on the line and help. And Casey's like, oh my God, what mom? What a burden. I have to talk to 911 about my missing child. And the 911 call when Casey picks up is just so strange. It's like she's ordering a Big Mac. <laughs> She's like listing off, oh, Kesey, my name's Kesey, my daughter Kaylee's been missing for 31 days, and she says, I've gone through other means, which is stupid, and she never elaborates as well what these means were. She does not seem very concerned at all. And you say, what these means were, there were no means, because she was out at the hot body competition whatever nightclub in Orlando she's seen out partying having a grand old time and her daughter's mm-hmm. been missing for 31 days Bella Vida for those 31 days right Bella Vida do you hear Cindy as any mother would be frantic concerned where's my grandchild I need to see her now my child is missing and then you hear Casey uh yeah can I get the number one please uh my daughter's <laughs> missing uh yeah can you help like she has no concern she's thinking about the weed she's going to smoke later or the alcohol she's going to be drinking Mm -hmm. doesn't make any sense no sense of urgency (laughs) none none at all so we move to the next day july Mm -hmm. 16th is when casey begins her web of lies to the investigators on the case so as we mentioned casey says that Kaylee is with the nanny, the nanny Zanny. Um, <laughs> and two investigators, Casey lies and gives them a false address of where Zanny lives. Spoiler, Zanny's made up. <laughs> yes, in case no one could figure out by the way we're saying Zanny the nanny. I just need to highlight how intense the lore behind Zanny. Like she's like, oh, her, you know, she's from New York. Her parents live there. They're separated. She was in South Carolina. She moved down to Florida. All this, this, and this. Yeah. She's making a character for a novel (laughs) and she pretty much is because Zanny does not exist she says she heard about her from a friend named Jeff and when they question Jeff um, Jeff is like yeah I don't have any kids I don't know Zanny I talked to Casey maybe once in 2001 and she even made up Jeff's child being named Zach I mean it's just it's so calculated it's crazy give her credit she had 31 days to do this she had 31 days to plan this so my favorite lie of hers if that can be a thing um, <laughs> is that she's working as an event coordinator at Universal Studios I don't I, very gullible I'm sure well-intentioned officers follow her through the maze of hallways and she had to lie to ticket people to get past and everything using her fake lanyard to get through and so they walk through this long hallway and at the end she just turns around and says yeah I don't work here I lied <laughs> A teehee, I was never an event coordinator. And she also talked about her co-worker, Juliette Lewis, which is hysterical because Juliette Lewis is an actress. (laughs) It's incredible in a terrible, horrible crazy way and she's arrested right there for child neglect lying to investigators and interfering with a criminal investigation and she is denied bail yes she is the main suspect in this case i mean clearly investigators detectives have every right to name her the main suspect through the web of lies that she was telling and (laughs) the web of hallways that she sent them on (laughs) 
Um, and then on July 18th, so this is only a couple days later, I don't know who contacted who. She hires Jose Baez as her lead defense attorney, which if you guys don't know who Jose Baez is, he was one of the defense attorneys on the OJ Simpson case. How convenient. You got a big name to be on your case. You got a big case on your hands. So you're going to hire one of the best defense attorneys to defend you. And I bet you Jose was just thinking, this sounds like a really fun challenge. I'm excited. Like, I feel like that was Jose thinking on this and I have to say he is one hell of a lawyer I there's no denying that and there's also not just because of um Jose Baez but also because of the coverage of the case and everything a lot of people kind of associate OJ Simpson and Casey Anthony as very similar cases so then we move on a little bit later she is granted bail which is at $500,000 seems pretty appropriate (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they even said the judge themselves said that they were really disturbed by the evidence and Casey's just behavior and indifference and attitude. Mm-hmm. It was not going to be an easy road. <laughs> yeah, because there were pretty minor charges that she was being accused of. They set a bail of $500,000 for child neglect. I feel like there was other motives behind this that the judge was referencing. Even the courts were like, even before the trial, the courts were like, yeah, she did it. Like, yeah. <laughs> So about a month later, Casey is being held in prison at this time. Uh, One month later, on August 20th, a California bounty hunter named Leonard Padilla announces that he has paid the $500,000 bail in hopes that Casey can help find her daughter, Kaylee. I believe he did this with good intentions. I don't believe he did this because he believed Casey did not kill her daughter. I think he thought this was in the best interest of everyone to find Kaylee, no matter if she was dead or alive. I think Leonard is a sweet guy who probably thinks the best of people, and he did not choose the right person to think the best of. I'm just saying that. (laughs) Possibly he saw the media attention, and he just wanted his name on it, too. That's another theory. We don't know exactly, but he posted her bail, so Casey's free. She's free, but not really free, because she's heads back in the jail on August 29th, where she is now arrested for four counts of check forgery we're throwing it back to her best friend amy she's forging amy's checks oh that's where the money for zanny the nanny came from we figured it out you know what i wouldn't doubt it the fake nanny So she's arrested again. She says, yes, I did it. Blah, blah, blah. I wrote the checks. What are you going to do about it? Cuff me. Throw me in jail. And then she's released again. And she was back in the free world. She didn't have an ankle bracelet, but she was also not in jail. So, yeah. She was being monitored. She was being also monitored by the Bounty Hunter team, which were living with her in her house, which there are reports and sources from that Bounty Hunter team that say there was literally no urgency between Casey, between Cindy, between George, about finding Kaylee. No one was concerned. Everyone was so nonchalant. Like, oh, we'll find her when we find her. (laughs) We'll get her one day. One day. But speaking of Zanny, my favorite character (laughs) in this saga... The real Zanny, who's a woman who had the same name of this made-up Zanny, filed a lawsuit because she said she can't get a job anymore because everyone thinks she's the fake nanny. And she lost. Bless her. Yeah. But one interesting thing, again, about Zanny is that there's a theory that I'm interested in that Zanny was actually Xanax. And yeah. that when, when Casey would say, oh, she's with Zanny the nanny, she's, you know, she drugged her little girl and she's passed out in the back on Xanax. Yeah. That's another conspiracy. But it's an interesting one, so I want to throw it out there. <laughs> yeah. So moving on, next we get to October 
October 14th. This is the day that Casey is officially charged with first degree murder. You know, we are not talking about child neglect anymore. We got serious charges on our hand with first degree murder. And the prosecution wanted to pursue the death penalty. Yes. Not long after this, the, the reports of the mysterious trunk smell, the microscopically similar to DNA found on Kaylee's hairbrush and showed characteristics of apparent decomposition and an air sample from the trunk also contains chemical compounds that are consistent with human decomposition. That's a huge thing uh, that's going to be for the prosecution, but like most things in this case, they fuck it up. Yep. I was going to say, the air sample is a big ticket in this case where the prosecution thought they had something. And then every time the prosecution comes, the defense like bounces back, has a professional or has an expert on standby to say, actually, the air sample could have been from the decomposition of the trash, not the body. Or household cleaner. Yes, exactly. That's what I was yes. going to say. Or there could have been many other possibilities that this air sample could have came from, not just a dead body. But yes, the prosecution wants again. And so coming into December of the same year that Kaylee went missing, there is a bag of bones found less than half a mile from the the Anthony's home wrapped in a Winnie the Pooh blanket in a laundry bag that is found by Ray Cronk, who's like a utility worker. And he even himself told the police, hey, you got to look around here. This would be like a really good place to hide a body. And I think he's saying that because maybe he's a fan of true crime. That's what I like to think. And he's like out there, he's going to solve it himself. And he's like, look here but the police didn't because they didn't want to get wet or something they didn't want to go on squishy ground i don't know but it's they say that they performed a cursory search which is just like a uh little peek like oh oh nothing there okay see you guys later and that's all they did the way they search is like the equivalent of your boyfriend looking in the refrigerator and he can't find the cream cheese and he just gives a cursory glance and immediately can't find it and then asks you and then you look and then you find it immediately that was ray cronk He's the girlfriend coming in and being like, the cream cheese is right fucking here. <laughs> but the body is found uh, a couple blocks from the Cindy and George residence, uh, which is another thing. Why was it found so close to the family home? That's a huge red flag. <laughs> it is because Casey didn't live with Kaylee not that close to the family home. So how did the bones get there? Um, but they actually, they don't confirm that they're Kaylee's bones until the 20th. They found the bo- the bones on the 11th. It's not confirmed until the 20th. Um, and it was ruled a homicide of undetermined means because the body was so decomposed because it had been months and months. They couldn't figure it out. Yeah. Um, but the skull was found with duct tape around the nose, mouth, and jaw. So, I mean, I could take a random guess. I feel like um, suffocation. <laughs> but also... There is reports that somebody testified and said, one of the officers said, oh, I might have accidentally moved the bones when we discovered it, and the tape might have moved. Oh, accidentally? Yep. So it might have just accidentally moved. And that's another thing. The police performed this so poorly. The next year in... 2009, January 23rd of 2009, George Anthony, um, Casey's father, Kaylee's grandfather, is taken into custody after a suicide attempt. He was under the influence of medication and alcohol. He had done this in a hotel room and he had a detailed five-page suicide note. Very, very sad. 
his wife Cindy says the only reason he was alive is he ate a big sandwich right before, and so it soaked yeah. up a, a lot of the stuff. So he survived. Now, what do you think? What was his motive? That he missed his granddaughter so much that he wanted to kill himself so he could be with her? Because that's what he says. Did he want to commit suicide to help ease the pain that he had to deal with for helping cover up the death of his grandchild? And that is a theory that the defense puts forward in not necessarily motivation of a suicide attempt, but the story of what really happened according to Casey and so not a lot happens 2009 2010 we're waiting for the trial that begins on May 24th uh, 2011 it's a doozy Um, so the first day of the trial Jose Baez comes out with it all everyone on the news swinging for the fences yes swinging for the fences everyone reporting on this called it a bombshell Casey claims that Kaylee fell into the family swimming pool and George wanted to cover it up. George was like, oh, like, don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. I'll go bury the body. Uh, No one has to know about this. Yeah, like, like that's going to work if that's true. Jose Baez comes out with this huge claim that George molested Casey as a child. And so that is... Mr. Baez puts up a, a really, I mean, when I was watching this, I was like, man, maybe, I don't know. I know, but it was fascinating. Jose was like, you know, that's how she's such a good liar, because she was lying since she was a child. She was hiding this pain through her lies, and she didn't trust people. She didn't trust authority, so that's the reason why she didn't go, she didn't report her missing child or um, or tell the truth earlier and those sort of things. Um, yep. And then they claim that Ray Kronk, um, they hired him to plant the the bones in the woods and he's like leave me out of this and he said in in an interview no good deed goes unpunished he's like i'm trying to help these people and they throw me under the bus yeah um but the defense's whole case really is wrapped around wanting the jury to doubt what's going on the prosecution thinks they have facts on their side but jose's he isn't saying, oh, no, something horrible didn't happen. Something horrible did happen. But maybe yeah, it happened this way. So it's that... so wild. It is so wild because we're sitting here before this case, before we even researched it, we're like, oh, yeah, Casey did it. Like, everyone knows Casey did it. And then you listen to Jose Baez and his explanations and his reasonings for everything that the defense is putting forward. It's like, wait. Uh, did she actually kill her? As soon as you have a doubt that she killed her, she's not guilty. Because... Right, because it's, uh, you can't convict it unless it's beyond reasonable doubt. So that's exactly. Jose's reasonable doubt. So even in these times, I have had those moments where I'm like, wait, did Cindy kill her? And that is the magic of Mr. Baez, for sure. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. Jose really... Honestly, I don't think without Jose... Casey would be free because he put together an amazing defense for her. And without him, uh, she would be locked up right now. Moving forward to the prosecution, they open the trial by giving this image of Casey being a party girl who had no use for her daughter. Her daughter was a burden, like we mentioned earlier. As evidence out there proves, 
in the time frame her daughter was missing, so she says she was missing, she was out partying, she was at Blockbuster, she was out <laughs> having a good old time while her daughter's missing. And she confirms this in the third 911 call where she says, uh, I went through other means of trying to find her. What are those means, Casey? You're out partying. It doesn't look like you care too much about your missing child. What were the resources? Asking the clerk a Blockbuster? Exactly. So next we have George. He takes the sand um, as the first witness. Uh, George immediately denies that he ever molested his daughter. You know, he just wants to get that out there and say, hey, this never happened. Look at me, jury. This never happened. Don't believe what Jose is saying. Don't believe what I said he's telling you. Um, I never molested my daughter. I think Um, he was pretty damn shocked when he heard that. (laughs) Yeah. And he says that he knew nothing about the drowning. Didn't know anything about anything at all about Kaylee drowning. This is all fabricated. This is all made up uh, by Jose and Casey. Next, we have Simon Birch, which he is the manager of the towing company that impounded Casey's car back in June of 2008. Um, he testified that he, over his time working as a guy who tows cars, mm-hmm. you, is there a name for that? I don't know. A tower man? A, as a, a tow man? <laughs> as a tow man, he has said that he has smelt numerous dead bodies before. And what he smelt in Casey Anthony's car was that of a dead body. I'm sure he has some interesting stories. <laughs> <laughs> And then next, we have a software designer that testifies that someone on the family computer had searched for chloroform a whopping 84 times. And while looking up chloroform, they have also searched for terms such as head injuries, ruptured spleen, chest trauma, and internal bleeding, all at the Anthony's home. What's going on there, Megan? I would say looking up ways to kill your daughter would be my thought. And you can't say, oh, I was researching a book. I don't think that was happening, hon. Right? What book? (laughs) But it later comes back that the 84 times that chloroform was searched for was a glitch. It was actually searched for once, and the system showed that it was searched for 84 times. Another flaw in the case. Which seems fake to me, but I guess they had to take it. (laughs) And the other interesting part about that is when Cindy takes the stand, she says she was the one who looked it up, trying to look up like chlorophyll or whatever in plants. And she also said, oh, the stench in the car was already there when we bought it and the stains and everything. Um, Which is another reason why we think Cindy was just enabling Casey and everything she did. She never wanted to believe that her daughter could have killed her grandchild. It's pretty much proved that she's lying, in my opinion, anyway, because she's shown on camera of like, you know, of tapes of the trial of her coming off the stand and mouthing to Casey as she walks by. I love you. Pretty much saying I lied for you. And another interesting thing, they also cited her diary, which she had written in after the the date that she drove off from her parents home with Kaylee that I'm happy with the decision I've made. and I've never been happier. Or, or something along those lines. Um, and that's, I mean, I'd say that's pretty telling. Yeah. There's a lot of things that have happened where it really points a finger at Casey. You know, you don't see George and Cindy lying like Casey did. And also, let's also mention that Casey is not very 
emotionally stable throughout this trial. She is seen crying. She is seen stone face, showing no emotion. She is seen laughing and giggling. So we never know what Casey is actually feeling. Because is all this for a show? Because one of the other things that goes on in a courtroom is how you present yourself to the jury. The way you react to what people say who are testifying. The jury's watching that. And she knows that. She's not stupid. She had all this fabricated prior. She, of course, knows that how she acts in the courtroom is going to reflect on how the jury thinks of her when they go to decide if she's guilty or not guilty. She knows exactly what to say and what to do, and it worked in her favor. Her and Jose, they were a force to reckon with, and the prosecution was not ready. While Jose had this had this ability to uh, of, a, of a storyteller, you know, making everyone feel empathy, second guess, and, and weaving yeah. this story and everything that Just really enthralled. that happened. It really enthralled everyone who was listening, the jury yeah. included. The lead prosecutor, Jeff Ashton, he really tried to play on those facts that, like we had said earlier with the decomposition chemicals that came out that then jose baez people said no no it could be something else he really always defense was always one step ahead of this prosecution and and they thought it they had it in the bag they really i mean everybody thought she was guilty but jose baez and his defense team were incredible the prosecution would throw out one thing the next day they had a an expert come in and say what you said is wrong and there was reasonable doubt that you were wrong so if there's any doubt that you're wrong, then she's now guilty. That was the theme, pretty much. Um, and and Jeff Ashton, his his like main thing that he was going off of. Jose was going off of reasonable doubt. Jeff was going off of she liked to party. She wanted to keep partying, so she sacrificed her daughter. Yeah. And that just did not. He I don't know if it was him or we've talked about all the reasons why, but it just didn't work. And yeah. Um, All the evidence he put forward was revoked as to being nothing was actually proven what they put forward besides her lies that were caught on camera. Yes, that's true. So with all of that being said, almost six weeks later of all this back and forth, the jury of seven women and five men reached the verdict of not guilty. Which I honestly, I remember that day. I was shook. (laughs) Hearing that. Everybody, everybody was shook. Nobody thought that she would be proven not guilty on all charges. And and um, like going back to O.J. Simpson, no one thought that he was going to be found not guilty, and he was. Yeah, which I think Jose just gets off to these kind of things. Boy. <laughs> he likes a good challenge. He likes what it, what, it must <laughs> be, what, what it must be like to be him, because to be on O.J.'s team, to be on Casey Anthony's team, if I get in any trouble... I'm calling up Jose. <laughs> I'm Mr. Baez. Like, it could be a traffic ticket. And I'm like, Baez? You <laughs> I have a lot of traffic tickets. I can't afford any more. I know Jose. <laughs> I was going 100 in a in a 30, but I know Jose will get me out of this. <laughs> <laughs> it's, was, it was a media sensation, this not guilty verdict. Everybody was watching. And when she was found not guilty, boy, all those middle-aged white moms out there were not happy. <laughs> everyone thought that she was going to be found guilty. And just like O.J. Simpson, everyone's like, there's no way that this, I mean, they did it. Casey did it. O.J. did it. But guess what? They both were found not guilty. 
Yeah. And all because of Jose. It's Jose. It all comes back down to Jose. Yes. So Casey's found not guilty. Come July 7th, her sentence is set to her time that she already served. So the case started in 2008. Um, it is now 2011. She has canceled out nearly three years behind bars. And she basically got good credit for her behavior to be released early. And the four-year sentence was for the lying to the police and that sort of things. But when it came to the heavy stuff, like all the counts of murder and everything, not guilty. Yep. She was not guilty where it counted, really. Correct me if I'm wrong, but she can never be tried again for those charges. Yeah, even if new evidence comes to light. I think it's called double jeopardy. Boy, she lucked out. So only 10 days later, on July 17th, 2011, from when she's sentenced to time already served... She's out of jail. I remember all the signs that people had being like, you're yeah. a murderer. And public did not agree with the not guilty sentence. <laughs> yeah, it was just an uproar of people who thought that she was guilty. You know, she was really the only suspect. The only plausible suspect in this case. Because Zanny wasn't real. We can say that the entire defense's case was made up. You know, that George helped Casey. They both knew that Kaylee drowned in the pool. And he was like, yo, I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to go bury her. Let's figure this out. And let's make this case. And we'll both get off scotch-free. Because in the end, nobody was charged. We don't know who killed Kaylee. We have no idea. And um, and I would say, I, I don't think that they were in on it because George talking, you know, moving forward and talking to Casey Anthony and how she is today and the years after, she doesn't talk to her father. And her father said, I think in an interview with Chris Hansen, 2017, said, I don't really have an interest in a relationship with my daughter, actually. Neither does her brother, Lee, who now has a son of his own and is like, yeah, I don't want my son to disappear. Thanks. <laughs> Literally, only Cindy talks to her, the enabler that she is. Right. So the entire defense's case was that George and Casey were in on this together. So you would think at the end of the day that they would be talking. They haven't talked since this case has ended. They don't talk to each other anymore. As we know from the, the 2017 interview. And also an uh, interview, this quote haunts me. She did an interview in 2017 too, I think with Insider. She said this, it is just so eerie. I'm not a mother, and I think this is eerie. Said, I'm okay with myself. I sleep pretty well. Yeah, that's wild. It's so haunting to because hear. Cindy and George say that they don't sleep at night. They don't sleep at all. They think about Kaylee all the time. But Casey sleeps pretty good. And even say she, you know, didn't do anything. You know, it was an accident. I would still be so distraught over my child. Even that died, even though I had nothing to do with it. It just seems sociopathic to me. So basically, George's opinion is that he thinks Casey knows what happened to Kaylee. He doesn't necessarily believe that Casey killed her. He believes that something happened to Kaylee and Casey knows about it. Mm -hmm. Cindy doesn't think Kaylee, Casey had any involvement. <laughs> of course she doesn't. She wants to continue having Thanksgiving dinner with Casey. She wants to keep getting presents for Kaylee. She thinks Kaylee's still alive. Cindy uh, is a real winner here. She <laughs> loves to enable her daughter. And she continues to do it after the case. Do it before the case and she does it during the case as we know mm -hmm. as we mentioned on the stand about the chloroform and how she mouthed i love you while walking off the stand all, all those facts are just so eerie to me it really is um so 
while we were doing our extensive research, actually late December, I think it was December 28th, 2020, an update about her came out. And I'm just going to say, y'all better sit down and hold on to your armchairs because this is insane. She started a private investigating business in Florida where she still lives, um, which is crazy to me for one, it gets better, but for one, why would you hire someone that couldn't even find their own goddamn daughter? <laughs> and two, she it's filed under the name of Patrick McKenna because she can't, because she has a felony, so she can't, it can't be hers. She works and lives with him and he was on her defense team. And so they're working oh. together. And claim of non-sexual, but I, I just find it very odd to live and work with this whole situation like her life is yeah. never going to be normal we can check on in on her again in nine years and there'll be some other crazy crazy thing going on which this man patrick mckenna he has said that casey might be a little disturbed but she didn't kill her daughter so... <laughs> yeah i'm gonna have this one this disturbed work woman working on these private cases for me that sounds like a good idea yeah what she has been doing she's been working for patrick mckenna she's been out seen by paparazzi literally it's her with like a camera like a cannon doing some private investigation work <laughs> oh my god like she's fucking veronica mars and she's gonna save the <laughs> she's a little slithering snake and and if you want to make sure this is real, you can look it up. It's called the Case Research and Consulting Services, LLC. And the article was put out by the Orlando. So yeah. it's real. And there's the and there's a picture. I'm looking at it right now. There's a picture of her and I want to punch her. So basically she's been hiding for nine years. And finally, she's back in the spotlight. I have to say I'm interested to see how it goes and I hope she fails. But no one gets hurt. Yeah, can we like write a Google <laughs> review or a Yelp review? <laughs> is that possible yet oh my god <laughs> thank you so much for joining us on this wild journey megan we did it we finished our first <laughs> podcast i can't believe it <gasps> me either you know we got this first one done we got it out of the way and you know what it was a hard one this was difficult yeah. to do it was multi-layered and unsolved so no real conclusion. There were, I mean, there were so many aspects to this case that it was a pretty hard one to be a first a first podcast for us. Yeah, it, it wasn't a um, it wasn't a simple who done it. <laughs> it was not. So guys, if you are begging for more crime on tap. Make sure to follow us on all of our social media platforms at Crime on Tap Pod. Please also listen and stay tuned for more of our podcasts. So guys, we'll see you next time where, where crime, crime is, is always, always on, on tap. tap. <laughs> <laughs>